you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. It's Joel Lulovich here. And Lucy Dickens. You're listening to the Juggle Podcast. Today's episode is a little bit unusual in that it's just me, Joe, doing the interview because Lucy was um, dealing with some family stuff on the day that we were scheduled to do this. So it's just me. And although this is the second time now that this has happened, it still felt very strange, Lucy. I know you said that to me and you said that to me on the day, but it's funny because you are perfectly capable. It's nice to do it together, but you are perfectly capable of being a solo interviewer uh, and you did a great job speaking to our guest, Bailey Bosch. It's funny, you know, because on the one hand, having the two of us is so awesome because it means there's always someone to like pick up, you know, if you've forgotten something or you you miss something or whatever it might Mm. be. But on the other hand, when it's just one-on-one as well, like you, you're not having to look at or think about two people. You're just thinking about the one. So they can in some ways be a bit more focus. I found, yeah, interesting. So Joe was joined by Bailey Bosch, who is a psychologist and counsellor in private practice and the co-founder of Free Range Lawyers and a mother of five with the oldest only being aged 12. Yeah, so she definitely understands the juggle that we like to talk about. In her counselling work, she works with individuals and corporates to help staff returning to work or transitioning, those who need help with work-life strategy, coaching, and to conquer the overwhelm of trying to do it all. And she has a special emphasis on helping individuals blend their family and their work roles. In other words, she loves working with women like all of us. Her two jobs and the way she structures her own life have seen her develop a way to determine whether people are cut out for flexible work or not. And one of the first things that you'll hear me ask Bailey is whether or not it is that just some people just aren't cut out for flexible remote working. It's interesting. It's always nice to speak to somebody who is practicing what they preach. I mean, Bailey is clearly dealing with the juggle with all of what we've just explained about her own her own bio. I mean, even just having five children, regardless yes. of how old they are, is in in itself and working, you know, as well as that, it's in itself, you know, she's got a lot going on. And so the ability to 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 juggle all of those different things means that, yeah, I reckon she knows a thing or two. Yeah, I think so too. And she's got a really great manner, as you'll hear in this interview, a really matter of fact well thought out. Um, and she also has a special offer for listeners as well at the end of the show. So if you're interested in perhaps talking to someone around doing this um, work-life juggle, then Bailey might be your person. So take a listen to the end and look out for that, listen out for that offer. It is a great interview. I'm going to be done out of a job by my own co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy. Hi, Bailey. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's so surreal doing this without my co-star, but um, we will push on and carry on because I have so many questions that I'd like to to ask of you and that Lucy had as well, but unfortunately is not here to ask them herself, so I will do that. The biggest thing that I really want to ask you is, is it true that employers are right to deny some people remote working conditions because those people are just not cut out for it? Oh, good question to start with there, Joe. I certainly think that we need to put a lot of thought into those 
positions and firstly before we even start thinking about the right people to put into those jobs are we looking at the right type of work to be done firstly if we can make sure that the work itself will lend itself to remote working then we're already halfway there once you can be sure that that the actual work and the actual position will suit a remote working way then we can start saying all right is, has this person got the characteristics, the qualities, the behavioural styles needed to be successful in a remote working position? So when you talk about the right work, have you seen some examples of times when someone's been almost set up to fail because the work just doesn't lend itself to remote work? Well, I think that we might start things with great expectations. So we might think that perhaps a client, for example, might say, well, we're happy to communicate over email and we're happy for video conferencing and Zoom calls. But in actual fact, the personal face-to-face in-person meetings is actually what they're after. So it's not so much that it's a deliberate, you know, they're not deliberately being set up to fail, but I think sometimes we don't put enough thought into organising these arrangements beforehand. And it's really in the preparation if we want to have success, we we really need to prepare for that. It's so interesting because that's the same in a lot of different businesses, isn't it? It's always the how much time you spend on your preparation, your strategy, your organisation before you actually execute. Obviously, a lot of businesses fall over because they never get around to executing. But that strategy piece and that preparation piece just can't be overlooked. In the carpentry business, which my husband's in, they always talk about, you know, measure twice, cut once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and absolutely. I think it's the same kind of idea here. You know, it's, it's how much time you put into that prep. Lucy and I also love talking about expectations. So how do you suggest then that people who are looking to enter into one of these remote working arrangements, how do they get really clear on what their expectations are? That again comes into the preparation piece. So in the work I do, I really advise a thorough job analysis. So look at the work, look what needs to be done, pull out every single aspect of that role. So we're talking about output here. What needs to be produced? What is the measure of success? The measure of success is the work being done. Okay, how do we measure that? Once we do that, we then know what we're benchmarking against. So we can then say to these people, the product, if you like, what we need out of you is X, Y, and Z. It's all very clear. It's very transparent. It's here. It's on a job description. And we then take it then that step back and say, Let's get the right person in who is capable of doing these particular tasks because we've we've done the preparation. We already know what success looks like. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about the person then. I've read that you have said that there are three characteristics that will determine whether someone will be successful. Can you tell us what they are? Sure. The key one for me is conscientiousness. So this is a person who is happy and keen and draws energy from being able to deliver results, meet deadlines. They're self-motivated people and they really like the output. They like to be productive. They like to see a tangible product at the end of their efforts, if you like. So conscientiousness to me is absolutely essential. Yeah. Then there's also, they have to be really good at emotional regulation. This opens up a whole other discussion, but we're talking about remote work is a kind of unique beast. So not only is it important for the employer or the organisation to make sure they're getting the right people, and that's from a commercial point of view, et cetera, but also there's an ethical obligation. Remote work doesn't suit everybody and worker well-being, as we know, it's so crucial and it's even more crucial for remote workers. We can't see if they're struggling, but they're not there in the workplace that we can pick up on changes in their appearance or changes in their demeanour, changes in their behaviours. So they're very much in some positions, they're very much out of sight, out of mind. So we don't know how well they're coping. That's really important to make sure that we're putting people who can 
look after themselves, they can take a proactive approach to their own mental well-being, make sure we're putting those people in remote working positions. So that's where I really think emotional regulation is essential. So these people who are open to change and they're able to think positively. And then the other characteristics that I sort of put out there is around the idea of influencing. So measuring somebody's skills at being an, an influencer. So Not the social media kind. <laughs> no, not one, no, not one of them. <laughs> yeah, we're not looking for how many likes you've got on this one. Uh, yeah, we're talking about skills at developing relationships, building rapport quickly. So remote work is, is done online or it's done via telephone, via video. Can you quickly build relationships? Can you quickly make a connection with the people? that you are working with without having to physically be in their presence and it's just really about having really strong and effective communication skills with other people. This makes me think about there's a couple of things here but the first question I have is is there a, a link between whether you're an introvert or an extrovert as to whether or not you'll be better off with remote working? I've been asked this question so many times and I would hate to suggest that extroverts don't make excellent remote workers. That's not true at all. The extrovert-introvert question is about where you draw your energy from. So introverts draw their energy from being by themselves. They recharge being by themselves. Extroverts get their energy from being around people. So in that sense, while, yes, there are quite a lot of introverts who do work remotely, I'm not putting it out there that that is a success or, you know, to be successful, you have to be an introvert. Absolutely not. It's just the self-awareness around where do you draw your energy? Do you have strategies and plans in place to say, all right, well, if I'm on the screen all day by myself working remotely without any interaction, do I have other areas of my life where I will go out, get my energy from other people if I am an extrovert? It's funny, it's a long time ago that I did a Myers-Briggs, probably over 20 years ago, and I don't even remember what the results were back then. And this idea of extrovert and introvert, I've always kind of thought, well, no, I recharge from being alone. But what I've realized is that that's totally not true at all. I'm actually more of an extrovert. There will definitely be times when I need that time alone, but I think that's the case for everyone. I think there'd be a rare extrovert who doesn't need some sort of break from people. And what I have found in doing my own business for the last four years is that now working remotely from the other staff that I have working with me, so we're all working remotely, and for a while I was maintaining an office, but again, it was just a, an office in a shared place, was that I was missing that time to recharge and gain my energy back as an extrovert outside of my work. So that's something that I particularly have realized this last year, that working remotely is fine and it's working, but I need to put more time in with people when I'm not working, because even just the clients that I see and the, the networking functions is not enough to, mm. to keep that energy up and feel like I'm having the connected relationships that, that I need that came so easily when I was working in a company that had 200 people in it. And I know some people have got you know, queries or, or they're a little bit cautious about psychometrics. But this is why any of the work that I do, I try to say, use this for self-awareness. Yeah. You know, this is your answers. I haven't taken some magic, you know, done some kind of weird, crazy stuff. This is how you responded to this, you know, evidence-based assessment. Yeah. Take this self-awareness and then use that. Yes, there might show up some areas of challenge, but it can also show you your strengths. Take mm. that information and build more of that into your life to get what you want out of life. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I actually quite like love the psychometrics. Usually I'll take a test and then go, oh, no, that's not quite right and want to take it at least five times. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I know that's not the deal. So how did you come up with these three things? Was it through research with individuals or was it the psych testing? Or how did it come to you that these three things are the main core ingredients for a remote working success? So unfortunately, there's not a big research body in this area, as you can well appreciate. So remote working, while it is increasing and it's now something we're a little bit more comfortable talking about, in terms of research, psychological research, it's a really emerging area. Mm. So what I've done is I've obviously been researching, but I've really had to draw what is available along with commercial experience. Yes. And just from the experience of helping uh, businesses that are trying to employ remote people. So been involved with the recruitment of remote workers, also identifying work that can be done remotely. And at the minute, I'm actually um, doing some of my own research to hopefully get something, you know, exactly what we're looking for. So because it is quite an emerging field, there's not much research looking exactly at the experiences of remote workers. So I'm trying to do my own research where I can kind of draw on modern workplace um, policy and environments, which the research that we do have has really lagged behind that. You can imagine how quickly technology is changing and the uh, collaborative software is just amazing now. Any research that's been around has really, it's been done pre all of that. So I'm currently working on some of my own research, but really aside from that, it's my experience with commercial consultancy and what research has been available. Fantastic. I'd love to see the research when you've got it. Maybe I should be one of your participants. (laughs) Um, So a lot of people, when they talk about remote work, they all focus on the techniques, as I like to call them, about how can we manage remote work? You know, how do we make sure that we're communicating effectively with remote workers? And, you know, how do people design their office spaces? And, you know, should they have their own separate office where they can sort of turn the key if that, for example, if they're working from home? But I really love the fact that your characteristics are all about the the individual and how a person is before you start looking at the techniques. But the techniques are clearly part of it as well. So is there something that you suggest that individuals can do to make themselves more suitable for remote work? If they kind of look at this and think, oh, you know, I really like being around people. Um, you know, we've sort of touched on that one. So how do I make more of that? Or is there something else that they can do? Well, that's an important point to make around remote work. It's not working from home. Remote work is working from anywhere. And I think sometimes we can get caught up on that idea of we assume the remote worker sitting on the couch in their pyjamas. But a remote worker is anybody. So, so I mean, even, for example, my family and I, we've been travelling for about three months this year. I was working. I was a remote worker. I wasn't limited to the house or to how my office was set up or anything like that. So if you can see, again, how important it is to have someone who is conscientious, productive, is able to be a self-motivator, they can work from anywhere. It doesn't matter how they've set up their office or if their chair's lovely, et cetera. But I will say, I really believe in the idea of rituals. So I always say, if you don't go to work, you can't leave work. And this is, I suppose, the flip side of the remote working piece that I do, how to support or how to help people who are working flexibly to have good mental wealth, uh, mental, um, well, actually, yeah, no, no, let me stick with that. Mental wealth. Yes, I'll stick with that. Because we think of wealth in many ways, but the only thing really at the end of the day that's going to count is our physical health and our mental wealth. And so if we can think of holistic success, so being successful in how we show up in the world, as well as the, the obvious material career success, I think that's what we're really striving for. So 
the difficulty for remote work is we have this huge work-life bleed. And if you don't have structure and boundaries around that, it's really predisposing remote workers to, you know, massive mental health difficulties. So I think that there's a lot to be said for rituals around going to work, because if you go to work, and I, you know, I say that as a sort of symbolic thing, you can leave work. But if you're just working all the time, wherever you are, at home, on the phone, on the laptop, in the car, there's no break. And the good thing about going to an office is it's clear you're there for a reason. You go there, you turn up, your mind tells you all the supporting cues around you are telling you you're at work. Yeah. Same thing at the end of the day. The cues let you know, all right, this is the end of the day. I've put my cup away. I've pushed the chair in. Work's finished. You don't have that when you're a remote worker or you're working from home. So let's just assume you might say, all right, I'm not exactly suited for remote work, but how can I make myself the best remote worker I could be? Build in some rituals so that you can start having a better work-life definition. And from that, your home life's going to be better and your work life's going to be better. You're going to be more productive in the work that you do when you're doing it, but you're also going to be more present with your family, which is ultimately what we're after. We work remotely and flexibly because we do want to have that option of, of spending more time with our kids or elderly parents or whatever it is that we choose to do with our time. Mm, that's so true. And that leads me to that question of, how, when it is that we, and let's use the work from home example, when we work from home and there is all of the family stuff that's in the home and happening as well, we might have, as I do, all of my children at school, which does make it a little bit easier during the days that, that I'm at home. But there is, I think, a, a real easiness, obviously, in just sort of going from the washing machine to I'm just going to clean this or I'm going to be doing this other task that I have to do for kids' school or, hey, actually, I'm going to be working. And part of it is that flexibility, the fact that you can jump from those tasks. So how do you suggest people build in rituals when they're kind of actually wanting that flexibility as well? Okay, I'd start by saying this. We have a human brain that has not developed and has not caught up with all our advances in technology and our desires and ambitions for multitasking. You can do the washing, quickly put the dishwasher on and still be thinking about, you know, an email you're going to write back. You can, but it'll come at a cost. Yes. It'll, it'll come at a cost in your concentration, but also just you'll start to get that feeling of being overwhelmed. And yes. You're busy, not productive. So you're doing 10 million things, but you're not actually sure what you're doing. and You're not 100% sure you're doing any of them right. So for me, when you're working, you're working. As tempting as it is to maybe think, okay, well, I'm at home, so I'm going to do, you know, doesn't matter if I do a little bit of this or a little bit of that. You can do that, but it is going to come at a cost. So don't, you know, don't be so surprised later on the day when you just feel this like absolutely shattered by the whole thing. And I sometimes think my message is a little bit unpopular because really I'm talking about self-discipline and being firm with yourself. And I always joke, you know, put those big girl knickers on and give yourself a bit of a talking to. Yeah. You're working now. Sit down yeah. and work. When you've done your work, if you really want to reward yourself, go put the washing out or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. <laughs> <laughs> We're both laughing because it's not much of a reward there. there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, but do your work when you're doing your work. 
Yeah. And this is something that has been a big issue for me. And Lucy and I are always talking about boundaries in our personal conversations and and she's always been giving me a ribbing. In fact, a few people give me a ribbing about it and it really has impacted this year as all of those things, exactly as you've said, you know, switching from one to the other, trying to do all the things, feeling overwhelmed, getting to that point where you're starting to feel a bit burnt out, pulling yourself back from the edge, and then all of a sudden slipping back into the same old bad habits again. So I definitely hear you on that one. I just think, remind yourself, you're fighting by your brain cannot do it so it's not a personal failure it's not a I should have done this better you know I should be cleverer I should be more efficient no it's you're fighting that little lump inside your skull and you're never going to win we are not designed to jump from so many tasks and have good outcomes the flip side of that is fighting the social expectations around what women and what mums can do and this gets into the the guilt issue, which is around, well, you know, you're the mum, so you're going to do all of those different things. And by the way, you're actually at home today. So why couldn't you have just done them when you were at home today? And, you know, I know other people that work from home have, have run into the trouble where people know that they work from home and they do so on a permanent basis. So their friends or their family just drop over and they're like, oh, I just dropped her around for a cup of coffee or something. And you're like, oh, actually working that's why I'm here you know Joe I push back a lot on the guilt thing I sort of specialize in working with women and guilt I sometimes think guilt serves a purpose and we can use guilt to stop or self-sabotage I mean this is a discussion for a whole other time but I really think in terms of the expectations in my experience a lot of the time we're putting the expectations on ourselves It's our understanding or how we've built our identity around being a mother, what a mother does, what a good mother does, what a good wife does, what a good partner does. Mm. It is our expectations. And the funny thing is, sometimes we say, oh, you know, we can't say, sorry, we're not available for coffee. We're working because they'll be upset with us. No, actually, they wouldn't. They just go, oh, okay, you're not available for coffee. We create these stories and we start these stories and we tell ourselves the stories and suddenly the story builds into something that we actually think it's happening. But You think it's fact. Yeah. Yeah. If you stop Mm. a minute, it's actually your own imagination and your own creation without actually evidence testing it, without going out to your friends and saying, look, as much as I would love to come for coffee, please don't call me on Tuesdays and Thursdays because I'm not going to be available and I don't want you to be upset and I don't want to offend you if I don't answer the door. I'm busy. Yeah, that's so true. And a sign on the door might work just as well. Yeah. So I can't let this interview finish without delving into your personal situation as well, because you're working and you have five kids. And as the youngest of five kids myself, so I kind of have some knowledge of how your youngest perhaps might feel as they grow older. (laughs) um, It's a full on life. And I think that the age gap's very similar here. There's 11 years between my sister and I, Mm. which I think is the same between your kids. Is, Is that right? 10 years, yeah. So yeah. my eldest is 12 and my little one's just turned two. Okay, yeah. there you go. Yeah. You've even squished it in a bit more. <laughs> so how are you managing it? I mean, we've touched on boundaries and rituals. Is that a big thing for you? And, and what else are you doing? So I really operate around the idea of do the right thing at the right time. So I'm not su- suggesting that everything's always perfect and everything works <laughs> all the time because absolutely it doesn't. But most of the time things work because I know when I'm working and I know when I'm looking after the kids. The times I get into trouble, 
or I get upset or I get stressed or I get overwhelmed is when I try to blur those two things. Mm. Sorry, I'll talk to you in just a minute. I'm just yes. trying to quickly do this email or, oh God, I've organized a call, but I've got the kids screaming in the other room. I yes. mean, I, did, I once did a radio interview in my cupboard, hidden behind the clothes because <laughs> I had organized when the kids were at home. I mean, that's just asking for trouble. So I've learned the hard way that I now do the right thing at the right time. I don't try to expect the kids to be quiet, quiet, understand why I'm not giving them the full attention when they have no idea that I'm, that I'm looking at this little screen. They don't know what it is. They don't see it as, as being anything other than you're ignoring me. Yes. And then also, I don't want to really be that mother who is ignoring them. I've got five kids. I love being a mother. They're an absolute joy to me. I I feel so blessed to have them. Mm. I want to enjoy them. I want to spend time with them. So if I can know I've done what I have to do with my work, then I don't have any guilt. I'm putting that in bunny ears because I know I've done the right thing at the right time. But then equally, when I'm with the kids, I'm not feeling bad about not working because I've done my work. And now I'm, I'm being a mother. And are you using a range of support so that you've got that work time that's dedicated work time? Like it, I'm always interested to know what people are using in terms of whether how involved their partners are or whether it's daycare or family. Yeah, so four of my kids are school age. So this year, my youngest son started pre-primary. So obviously that makes a difference. But I mean, you you ask any of us that school drop off to school pickup, it's like a blink. (laughs) And it's not even that, it's all the the things that you have to do at school, assemblies and helping out or whatever it might, sports days, it's just so much stuff. You you definitely don't get five school days to do your own thing. No, no, it's not a full, definitely not a full school day available. But so the kids go to school and then my little baby, she goes to daycare. So she'll go there. It varies between two or three days a week. So I've got that option depending how things are going. So my other thing is just, I've been doing this long enough to know what works for me. And what really works for me is I wake up early. How early? About 4.30 in the morning. And I, again, back to, to the rituals, I will not start anything until I've had my, it's, at the minute it's coffee, but tea or coffee in my special cup. I sit on the couch. Generally, I reread Jack Reacher like a Lee Child. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, Jack Reacher is just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you start your day with a fiction book. You know, everyone else you talk to about their morning ritual, oh, well, yeah, I meditate for 10 minutes and then I journal and then I'm reading 30 minutes of some professional development thing. No way. You, no, you need Jack Reacher. He, he's got a life <laughs> like um, I'm not scared of these other prisoners. There's nothing here to be scared of unless tooth decays deca- uh, contagious. You know, he, he just comes up. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Anyway, so there I am sitting in the silent house, drinking my tea or coffee in my lovely cup, reading Jack Reacher being just amazing and like a gorilla that, you know, darkens the doorway. And then I start doing whatever I do. I do the things that I need the, the most brain power for or things that are going to generate the most outcome. So if it's something that I know is going to give me a return of, say, 100% of my efforts, I'll do that first versus something that's easy and you generally tend to do it because you think, oh, you know what, I'll just do this. Quick and win. I, yeah, I can get all these little small things off my list. When I've got this little pocket of time, I try to do whatever I can that it's going to give me the most outcome for my effort. Yeah, that's so important. I love that concept. I'm really bad at remembering to do it. 
So, you know, I'll be the person that opens up the email inbox looking for something specific to do for that purpose and then getting sucked into the vortex of, oh, look at these new emails. I'll just quickly address them. And before you know it, 30 minutes has gone by. Yeah. So that's why it's like whenever I'm writing a kind of document, I have the start of the line there. So I might even just have four or five words with the sentence not finished. So I physically have to start typing to finish that sentence because it'll just bug me. And before I know it, I've actually started something and I'm not messing around finding something else to do. So in terms of that kind of thing, you might have a post-it note that you put on your laptop and it might be right back to blah, blah, blah with the five answers and you stick that on the laptop open the laptop that's what you do and you're not doing anything else till you do that and and then the energy just feeds itself and suddenly you're into that task and you don't care to go and check emails or to check Facebook or to check whatever because you're now working yeah another strategy that I'm using at the moment is to determine the day before what my three things or five things are going to be and I actually order them and I make myself do them in the order that I said was the priority sometimes I have to rejig it but I'm trying to do that And you feel better at the end of the day because you've got something to show for it. And that's the other thing. Back to the ritual. Leave work by, oh, look, look what I've done today. Great. Now what am I going to write down for tomorrow? Done. That's the end of my work day. Yeah, so good. So there's a couple of questions that we always like to finish all of our interviews with, which you've probably heard before. The favorite, of course, is whether or not there are some words that you live by. Do you have a work mantra or a life mantra? Oh, well, I've got either... Onwards and upwards, because that's what I'm always thinking, you know, moving forward and a tiny bit up, even if it's just like a little toe lift up, as long as it's forward and up. But I also really like start where you are, use what you have and do what you can. You know, this idea that we need to have the perfect office before we start or we need to have everything organized and the pantry needs to be color coded before we can start eating healthy. (laughs) And I need to have the bento box, lunch box before I can get on top of the kids' food. No, start with what you have and and just get on with it. Yeah, it's a good one because I think it's also in a lot of people's careers, they'll look at the person who's 10 years ahead of them Mm. and they'll forget that there's a 10-year gap there and those people did a lot of work. So, rather, you know, that idea of compare yourself to someone who's one or two steps ahead of you as opposed to 10 to 50 steps ahead of you. That's good. And the piece of advice that you would give women like us who are managing the juggle of work and family? As I said, I say to myself, put your big girl knickers on, be disciplined, (laughs) be firm with yourself and do the right thing at the right time. Yeah, I love that, the right thing at the right time. That idea of of actually consciously deciding what is it that I'm going to do right now. Mm. And be flexible about it. I mean, certainly if the right thing at the minute is to deal with your children and not mm. do the work thing, deal with your children. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not at all prescriptive that, oh, well, no, no, I've said between 9 and, and 11 it's work and that, no, I can't change. No, the right thing is whatever's right at the moment mm. at the right time. So it might be, look, I've got two kids that have fallen asleep on me, but I had planned tonight to try and do something. No, the right thing now is to go to sleep with these two kids that are on me. You just take it as it is, but make sure you're doing the right thing at the right time. Going to sleep that bit earlier might be nice for those 4.30am wake-ups. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I'm absolutely, you know, if someone tells me they've been awake till 11 o'clock, I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) All right. And before you go, now you have very kindly told us that you'd like to offer a special offer for our listeners. So please, can you tell them what that is all about? 
Absolutely. So as you can sort of hear from our conversation, I'm really big on strategy and planning. And what I'd like to offer anybody listening who would like to work with me is strategy mapping session, but then also a, a hours coaching. And that would be 375. And if anybody wants to get in touch, my website is www.baileybosch.com.au and you can uh, click a time to talk with me on there. Great. And we will have the links to Bailey's website and comment about the special offer in the show notes as well. So you can read about it there. Thank you so much, Bailey. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you. It's been lovely to be here. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that interview, even if you didn't get to hear Lucy during it. And as always, we'd love it if you could leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps other people find out about our show. Find all the links to us and contacting us and our uh, online Facebook group. Of course, it's on online Facebook group, right? Because Facebook is <laughs> online. But that group at thejuggle.com.au. See you next time. Happy juggling. <laughs>